0: Actually, we'll be interviewing as a team. We're here to fuck shit up. When you bring me out. Can you introduce me as Jake Stewart? And I'm Matt. And this is the nuclear fridge.
1: <laughs> it's completely insane. You guys are idiots.
2: Do you have
0: nuclear
3: weapons in the fridge? Is that nuclear waste? This whole fridge is a joke.
1: Honey, you are a regular nuclear
3: meltdown. You and I are not so different.
1: Stupid fridge guys.
3: Well. His own.
1: Go to school, boys.
2: Hello, and welcome to another fantastic episode of the Nuclear Fridge. As always, I'm your host, Matt Paget, and I'm joined by two of the most beautiful men I know, Jacob Decker. I got a credit card—the first credit card I've ever gotten. I feel like a man now. It took what?
0: me a long time Wait, really? <laughs> yeah, I've never had a credit card <laughs> oh, oh my
2: god yeah. And Welcome that voice to you hear is
3: Stuart Gears <laughs> Yes And I, I only have one credit card too But god, I've had it longer uh, That's
2: wild, I, I remember the day I got credit cards And I could stop buying like Playstation gift cards and stuff uh, But forget about that We are joined by one of uh, Our favorite people in the entire world I would say um, she, she has done a lot for us Uh, For me and Jake, she just met Stuart, but they seem to be getting along. We're crossing our fingers. She has as big of an impact on him as she has on us. Her name is Mary Kish. Hello,
1: Stuart. Let me know what I can do for you. Let's work something out.
3: (laughs) Sounds good. Sounds good. You want a job at GameSpot, Stuart?
1: (laughs) (laughs) You have to be extraordinarily, incredibly talented and funny and smart like everybody else that I I worked with there. I think you are.
3: Uh, You know. He tries probably his not. best. I love him <laughs> I to pieces. I try to keep up. I try to keep up.
2: But yeah, uh, Mary, we we brought you on because I mean, uh, just just to clue everyone in, you you were a big uh, proponent of of me and Jake, and you you helped me get my foot in the door at Gamespot, and uh, you, you've continued to do awesome work since leaving Gamespot. And I mean, that was fucking years ago. I mean, you're you've probably worked outside of GameSpot after longer than you were at GameSpot at this point, right?
1: Yeah, it's weird. I never even thought about that. I have been working at uh, Twitch for almost five years, and I think I only worked at GameSpot for less than four, which doesn't feel right in the timeline in my brain, but that is accurate. Um, it's also really nice for you to say that, but you were like super deserving of everything that you got at that job, you were extremely um, hardworking and talented. And I think they were lucky to have you, honestly. I think that's the thing about a job like that is they ask a lot of people, they ask you to work really long hours and it's selfless, you know, work hard. What have you done for me lately? Get more done, later hours, cut faster. You did those things and you did them with the smile on your face because you liked what you did and I just think You know, you were, you deserved everything you got there. I didn't do you any favors. I was, I think GameSpot was lucky to have you.
2: Well, I can't help but notice you were speaking specifically to me and me only.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Jake, Jake was an intern when I um, found him. And I think that I didn't discover you, Jake. The, The team did, you know, I don't get to take credit for any of that at all. You were doing incredible work. Um, at the company and I met you through GameSpot and you pretty much wowed everybody immediately and I remember there was just no hesitation when it was like, can we make this permanent? <laughs> how do we <laughs> how do we keep this person forever? Um, and that was really lucky because you just felt like you got along with everybody from day one.
0: Well, I appreciate it. One thing I do want to say is I was listening to Firescape, which is uh, the podcast you're on. And there was a segment someone wrote in like asking, What was your first impression of everyone? And Mike was like, I was <laughs> I was afraid of Mary when uh, I first started at GameSpot <laughs> because she looked at me and she's like, If you're late to the set, I will beat the shit out of you or something like that. <laughs> and I remember my first impression of you, Mary, was it was like my first day and I was working on something and I like sent something out for feedback and got a bunch of feedback. And then you came over and sat down and just like helped me through all of it. And I just remembered that meant a lot because it was, I don't know, it was just lear- I learned a bunch and I felt like I was meeting people on day one. So I just wanted to bring that up because my experience first day was very different than Mike's, it sounds like.
1: ah, uh, that's awesome. I think um, that's cool. I remember, I don't think I remember like this exact experience with you, um, but it that makes me feel good because I was kind of a... I don't want to say mean, but I was intense at work because I wanted to be respected and appreciated at my job. I didn't want to be taken, you know, lightly or as like, oh, like let's just get married to host it. I wanted to be like a serious producer that people liked. So, I think that was a lot of people's experience with me, which was don't mess around or I'll, I'll beat your ass because I want to. I want to be like an important person in this company. But I also really did. Like everyone I worked with and I didn't want to have enemies. I wanted to have friends. So it's cool that like we had that. I had that same experience. Um, the people that uh, trained me at GameSpot were so nice to me. Um, Jan Maja era who helped get me my job at GameSpot. I swear to God, the live team at GameSpot, they had been there for like tw- like over 10 years, some people. And they were really, really good. And so new people, when they came in, everyone at the live team would be like, this guy does not run a TriCaster. You show me your TriCaster certification right now. And they would like, you know, not bully, but they were intense with new people because they were better at their job than anyone. And when I showed up my first day, jan made everyone gather around and said this is mary you will be nice to her and you will show her how the tricaster works and you will show her the lights and you will show her how everything is done and you will do it nicely and i was like god damn thank you jan and jan like did that for me and everyone was like super cool with me and didn't give me any shit.
0: that's that's awesome that's the best kind of uh, introduction i would say
1: yeah, yeah that dude stood up for me hardcore and i'll never forget that he was very nice that's
3: awesome <laughs>
2: Uh, but hey, now you're doing uh, a new type of, uh, game coverage. You're doing an awesome podcast. Really, really proud of you for, for taking on a couple of underprivileged children who are (laughs) learning how to broadcast and Twitch stream. They really want to be games journalists when they grow up. Mary, why don't you tell us a bit about Firescape?
1: Yeah, I'm so honored to help uplift these new children into the scene. uh, Mike Maharty and Dan Reichert are just these fledgling talents and um, I discovered them early in my games career. Um, Very funny, charismatic, uh, a little (laughs) intense and spicy boys. I love them and we get along really well and much like your podcast we just enjoyed hanging out more than anything else. We liked just getting beers and shooting the shit with each other and that was kind of what spawned the idea that maybe we should make it a consistent thing and let other people enjoy it and talk to us and let's share some of the things we talk about because we loved it. We would always end up talking for hours and hours and hours about nothing. Um, That's really what uh, spawned fire escape. It's honestly something that we've been talking about since I was working at GameSpot. So it gives you an idea of how long this was cooking. We would talk about, you know, running off and doing our own thing all the time. And um, man, I think we talked about it more when in the last year or so it just became this like thing where it was like, yeah, let's just do it. Like we're not getting any younger. We can't go outside anymore. You know, it's hot. The air is bad. Let's stay inside and talk to each other. And it's been good. It's been a, a it's kind of is a bit of an escape for me. And I think hopefully much like your guys's podcast, it allows you to stay connected to people that you like and, and care about.
0: Well, I don't really like Stuart and Matt that much, so, so. Um, Yeah, we I regret that I did
3: this every day.
2: We we can only stand each other for about an hour before we have to call each episode. I know you guys <laughs> like each other a lot more, so you can last a couple more. Uh, I do have a question for you though,
0: Mary. This has been bugging me for a very long time. But mm. if you knew someone who bought two Xbox Series X's Okay. One to put by their TV and one to put at their desk. What would you say to them? Like, is that weird? Is that is that a normal thing for someone to do? I would
1: say buy an HDMI splitter and extender <laughs> like the rest of us. Yeah, that, that would Fuck. be
0: a really good idea, Matt.
2: Shit, <laughs> I forgot about <laughs> HDMI splitters. Fuck.
1: I can give you my old one. I have like four nah, It's too late, I keep Mary. buying new it's ones. It's too
2: late. I've already got two <laughs> Xbox Series Xs. I I will tell
1: you that the lazy (laughs) part of myself, I mean that lovingly, but the lazy part of me also wants to have two consoles, one at my desk and one at my TV. That way I don't have to do anything. But it's not that much work to switch my HDMI splitter. All my consoles are at my TV. And if I wanna play a Xbox game at my computer and stream it, I just have to use the switcher and I can have it over at my computer and stream it at my computer. Or what I also like to do is I could play it on my couch on the TV, but I'm still streaming it through my computer, which is a nice consolation. I think the only issue with some of that is, no, I think I could even do it with old games, like with my, my PlayStation 2 and stuff like that. Um, Cause I use, an, I use a converter to get them to go to HDMI anyway. You can use it with a converter, man. There's really no excuse.
2: Yeah, uh, that sounds a lot cheaper than what I did. <laughs> <laughs> but I wanted to play Splinter Cell in the comfort of my office chair as well uh-huh. as the comfort of my couch. Like, what's, there's, there's, You know, How I, far I, I,
1: away is your couch?
2: It's right there. <laughs> uh, like, I could literally hit it with my head if I fell over.
1: <laughs> I think you literally don't even need a splitter. You could just have an HDMI yeah. and just move it between the two. Pretty yeah. quickly.
0: He told us about this last week and I and Stuart and I were dying laughing. And uh, then once beautiful. we stopped laughing, I just couldn't stop thinking about it.
3: <laughs> I just love the idea just... that there's two Series X's within like two, three feet of yeah, each other. I can't even
2: get one. I, I, it, I had yes. two PS5s. One with right here. I can't Literally. even get a PS5. <laughs> Dude, I had two PS fives and then I sold one of them and then got an Xbox Series X instead because PS5 can't play Splinter Cell. Mm. I can't
1: believe it. They're just like sitting in there like little sisters looking at each other. Yeah. being Like <laughs> wondering which one's been played more. Which one do you use more?
2: Uh, probably, probably my desk one. But uh, when, when like a game comes out and it's like, oh, this is like a, a visual masterpiece. I'll play it on my TV. But if it's if it's anything else, I'll play it at my desk because uh, I am just more comfortable here. Uh, but yeah. That's that, Jake's just waving my dirty laundry out in front of our first guest ever. I can see how this is, is going to go. I, Fuck. I texted Stuart and I was like, I am 100% going to bring this up today. I will force <laughs> it in. God. Well, hey Mary, it's out of love. Out of love. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to change the subject. Uh, wait Shame. for me. One of my favorite things you ever did, Mary. In fact, this is actually probably my favorite thing Gamespot ever did, um, and yeah. it's because it introduced me to the world of horror movies. Oh, was cool. uh, the your podcast Dead Air with Mike Maharty? Jake was a frequent guest. He Used to get a couple other people around the office in, and I, I, I don't know if you know this about me, but until I was about like. 25 i was scared shitless to watch horror movies because my mom was afraid of them so i just thought oh well my mom is pretty scary to me so if she's scared of this shit (laughs) it's probably terrifying oh wow and then i listened to you guys i'm like fuck this sounds really interesting and then i started watching horror movies and i'm like none of these are fucking scary they're just awesome (laughs) like they're just the coolest fucking movies ever (laughs) made
1: They're they're good, yeah. I'm glad. I loved I loved um, Dead Air. That was the first podcast I did with Mike Mahardy, and we had a lot of fun doing that. He had to kind of convince me to do that because we, I had never done a podcast before, and I didn't really understand why people would listen to us talk about scary stuff. But I've been watching horror movies since I was way too young, and it made sense for me to talk about something that i felt like i had a lot of history with which was just talking about anything that was scary or not like you said a lot of them are not scary and and it turns out there's a lot of people who like it also i think that title is dope dead air is just a good podcast title it was so good yeah Yeah, i think
0: mike had to convince a lot of people to get that made i remember at the time because it was very like i don't know podcasts podcasts are always weird to pitch because at the end of the day yeah you kind of are for the most case just pitching the fact that yeah you and your friends are gonna just say what's on their mind and you know that can be risky
1: i agree but at a place where we like played video games for like hours and hours on end i would question like whether or not that much time playing like call of duty was that valuable for me either um at some point like putting an hour of content out there had to be worth something to them, enough to at least say yes, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, But GameSpot was always looking for the dollar back, right? Like, can we sell this? What can we get out of this? Like, what money can we get from this experience? And so I think when Mike sold it, he was like, think of the sponsorship opportunities. Uh, And God bless him, he got it approved. I I still don't know how he did it.
2: (laughs) MeUndies, think of all the MeUndies sponsorships you can get. Yeah, I mean I mean the, the copyrights itself. Shit your pants with the latest horror movies, get new underwear with me undies. I think it's <laughs> it's perfect.
1: You're going to need more.
2: Mary, I really, really want to know so much has happened in horror since Dead Air ended. Yeah. Uh, it it's it's been wild and it's been fun myself discovering the genre. Uh, what like what what horror is interesting to you? I know you've gotten way into gaming with with like classic horror series and whatnot, but, but what, what's, what's scratching your, uh, your, your, your spooky itch. (laughs) terrible.
1: (laughs) (laughs) In movies or in games or all.
2: Let's, let's just hear it. Movies. Um, did I don't even think hereditary came out by the time dead air was over. Right.
1: That's true. I think there was a huge, um, shift in horror movies. Um, I remember very specifically that Mike and I did an episode about It Follows. I know because we um, interviewed Disaster Peace, who made the iconic soundtrack for It Follows. And I some ways feel that It Follows really did have a dramatic shift in the way horror movies were created because there was this way that horror movies tended to be very... um, sharp and edgy and trying to, like, push the boundaries, lots of action and, like, stress sequences, whereas It Follows is slow uh, and harrowing and almost draining mentally because you just have that feeling, almost like hairs on the back of your neck standing up for hours that when It Follows was done, I was tired. I needed a nap. I, I think it was just this wild experience. And so when I think of that, I think of movies that came after it that in some way, I don't know if it was inspired by, but it changed that landscape from like lots of smashing and grabbing and killing, Saw, you know, those types of movies where it's just like lots of gore, lots of blood, get it, get it, to more of like, let's make people feel bad for two hours, just like something really terrible is gonna happen. And maybe it will, and maybe it won't, but for two hours, you will feel like shit. And that is what Hereditary really did It is a long, exhausting movie where you know shit's going to go down, but they deliver that ending. Like, that ending is just an absolute gutting. And I didn't catch a lot of, like, the cool nuances of the ending. I had to look it up later and, like, stop it on YouTube and, like, look at all, like, the secrets that they hid in there. Um, What a tremendous movie that was. Uh, The Witch, long, exhausting, awful, like, miserable Like dealing with this terrible situation, visually like stunning, but not a lot of shock horror gore, just, I think I said shock horror, shock, (laughs) shock gore. It's more like just long, long planes of eeriness. And that's something that I've really enjoyed about the last, I don't know, genre of horror there's like next era i guess is what it is and i'm really living for it i think this is a really nice nice place to be in especially for someone who grew up in the slasher era i watched a lot of like um freddy versus jason was out in theaters when i was a kid like that's what i watched that was like my bread and butter and this is kind of more my style
0: yeah i mean i think Ari Aster is. Just someone who not really figured that out because, like you're saying, it follows came before that, and that does that does a lot of similar things. But Ari Aster has really kind of leaned into that sort of director like that. And uh, God, what was what was his follow up movie called? That was Midsummer. Summer, Midsummer, which had the same feeling the entire time. Oh, just the whole were time. we waiting for the worst possible thing to happen, even though like bad things happen throughout the movie, especially. The you beginning. didn't
1: even see half of those deaths. It's an interesting film. Like I kind of yeah. thought about it afterwards and they don't show you everybody who like gets killed because um, they don't need to. Because you were upset before. You yeah. were upset the whole time. Like most of the film you're like, oh Lord. Because the very beginning is so shocking. You're almost in like trauma when you're watching it.
0: Yeah. And also never pee on the ceremonial tree. That's the big never thing Never pee I on yeah. the ceremonial oh tree. God. The guy who looked like Sid from Toy Story. Oh <laughs> yeah. Almost
3: Pennywise. <laughs> Oh,
2: right. Dude, that actor, I, I can't stand him. He was... Uh, oh, wow. He was, he was <laughs> he, Well, sorry. It, it's just like he always plays the dweeb or the dick. And I mean, to be fair, the, in midsummer you're not supposed to like him. Yeah. I mean, he does a really good job of being completely unlikable. He does a good
1: job of being the jerk.
2: Absolutely. Uh, you know what's <laughs> funny, though? I Talking about It Follows, I remember listening to that podcast and like... Walk, like I was literally walking around my town and I saw someone walking towards me and hearing the plot of this movie and go and then I went uh, and I had to walk across the street to <laughs> just to get out of my head. Mike and I Mike and I watched that together when we both lived in the same apartment
0: and uh. we both found out that we were both terrified of really tall people. <laughs> um, poor poor Will Carl who worked with us who was like six seven very right? he's very he's very nice so it even out very but, nice but there's that one part where that guy like leans under the oh, doorway yeah. and I remember that messed us both up pretty good yeah, that was a really good scare La- Lady Dimitrescu, even though I don't think like her by herself is scared, whenever she'd go under one of the doorways I would I'd be like I just get flashbacks of that scene They're like nope 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 I am out of here right
2: yeah i mean mr x was the same way it was like i i don't get scared easily as i've found watching horror movies but mr x specifically just if i was walking down a hallway start walking down the stairs and i heard him walking up other stairs i was like get we gotta get the fuck out of (laughs) here just such an imposing force it's it's that yeah that really gets me
1: i like the idea that even though lady d is someone we've all decided is like super hot and awesome the visual of someone bending under to get under a doorway is jarring, and I can see that, right? The idea that you can't fit, that's like that almost human and not quite there thing mm-hmm. that makes people really upset.
0: That, Just that it not human enough. Like, I, like I, I don't know, I remember vividly as a kid, like I don't remember a lot of my nightmares, but I remember the nightmares where there was tall people chasing after me. <laughs> <laughs> and I, th- th- that was, like, one of the first things Mike and I bonded over because we were both like, oh, yeah, we're both deathly afraid of really, really tall people. And we both had nightmares about this. <laughs> I'd love to see you guys at, like,
2: a basketball game just shitting bricks. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, yeah, it, it was just such an awesome podcast. and And I... It was fun because you and I had a lot of interactions with over email and whatnot when we first started working together and whatnot. And to hear you guys talk about horror and to like incubate that love of horror in myself was sick. Uh, And I think like probably... I mean, It Follows was one of the first ones that made me go, I need to watch this because this is the scariest movie ever made based on that premise alone. And I worked myself up so hard on that premise that when I watched the movie, I was complete... Like, I liked it a lot. It was really good. The atmosphere, the the little hints of like... Like, she'd look at family photos and then you would see that person from their family like naked on their roof. Yeah. Uh, But uh, I, I... that that really made me go I, I think it was like it just opened my eyes to like what horror it could be because someone who was just scared of horror his whole life for no reason <laughs> it's because of the what you were saying it's 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 the thoughtless killing and the gore and i've even learned to enjoy that so
1: i'm glad i'm glad that you were introduced to a good one because you could have been introduced in a negative way do you like remember um I would probably. This would probably be a good question for Stuart. Do you remember, like, the first? It doesn't have to be horror, but the first scary thing that you ever experienced that you were like, "This is too scary for me," even if you're six years old and you're like, "This is too much. I don't like it." And like, that was media. You have to like had like watched it on TV or something.
3: Yes, I was. I I started watching horror movies pretty young, even though I had to kind of hide it because I had. My my mom was pretty strict about me watching horror movies. Like she didn't even want me watching like uh, Goosebumps. I was like, she oh, fostered come on. that
1: love though, didn't she? she with did. her hatred, yeah. You well, fell in she, love with it.
3: She had an experience with The Exorcist that she never got over. So I, oh. she was strict with me with horror. But I would always watch it like on AMC and stuff at night, like when no one was there. But the first thing that really freaked me out was uh, my grandmother, who used to live next to us. I would go over to her house and we'd watch movies and TV together and this is so stupid but they had uh we would watch like nickelodeon and stuff and there's an episode of are you afraid of the dark with a killer clown with like this yellow face i can't remember the name of the clown terrified the shit out of me and i had to walk home by myself and i refused to do so so i just stayed there and I still remember that clown. Like I, I, I could probably even pull it up and put it in the d- Discord. But it, yeah, that was the first thing that really freaked me out. Um, but it also kind of got me interested in looking further into horror stuff as I continued to age. But yeah, that's funny. So, are you afraid of the dark on Nickelodeon?
1: Dude, are you afraid of the dark? Is one of my first as well.
3: Oh, um, okay.
1: I have a viv. I have like. I don't know which one came first. I have, I have like, a couple of memories when I was really young where I was like, that's too scary. I'm going to cry or I'm going to run away. One of them is Are You Afraid of the Dark? It's the one where blue shit's coming out of everyone's mouth. Yes,
3: yes. Um,
1: yeah. That <laughs> one got me. I was too young for that shit. That scared me a lot. Um, I watched... Uh, Oh my dad had the X-Files on and my dad was like one of those dads um my parents are divorced so classic like parents right my mom was really strict don't watch anything that's too bad and my dad was like come on over here I'm like having a beer and I don't give a shit like get on the couch and watch this X-Files with me <laughs> and it was an episode this is true of a toilet monster, it was like in the sewer system. And so when people were sitting on the toilet, it was like eating their butts and sucking them into the toilet and killing them, I swear. And it looked like poop, the monster. It was like a huge turd. It was really upsetting. And I would like to look this up to see if it still exists, but I'll like never forget watching this and being like, I am too young for this. And then like seeing the toilet and being like, I'm not sitting, On that, I will hover. And I hovered for like a couple days until I was just just no longer able to do it. (laughs) How dare you? How dare you? Accuse me. (laughs) It was traumatizing to have this like, uh, this horrible image of like a poop killer uh, coming through the toilet. Anyway, that's a true, I was like afraid to, uh, the toilet scared me for like some time after that.
3: That that is
0: fair. Mine's really dumb. Mine's, like, really dumb, and it'll show how much of a baby I was when I was a uh, kid. Uh go on. I remember seeing Jumanji, and that terrified me.
1: <laughs> that Which part? Like, the spiders?
0: The, I think there's a scene where their house, like, turns into a jungle, right? And there's crocodiles. Yeah. Oh, oh okay. yeah, that's scary. That, that was it. That was it that did me. I was terrified. I was terrified, yeah. I'd get home from school one day and there'd just be crocodiles <laughs> everywhere. And I don't think
1: that's crazy. I think that's that's a scary sequence. Like crocodiles in water in your home is scary. Yeah,
0: yeah. I, I it scared me a lot. I remember that messed me up. I think the other time I remember being really scared is, it's not really movie related, but uh, my, my dad used to do tours in Europe because he was a teacher, so he'd take seniors uh, on trips and occasionally I'd go with him. And we went to a castle in Germany, and they took us to the dungeon. And I remember having nightmares for for weeks <laughs> about being locked in a dungeon. That's and awesome. I like did not want to go in castles anymore for a while after that. Oh wow!
3: You know, you know the thing with Jumanji. Although I, I think that added to maybe what you're talking about is the. I do remember being a little like apprehensive of watching it when I first saw Jumanji because. When things would go down, they had that really subtle, like, bump, 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 bump in the soundtrack that you're like, kind of, kind of creepy. And then when it would transition, it would have that. So I, I, I could see where that would be. The other thing was I, yeah, that, dude. that I've Haunted Mask other... from Goosebumps, dude. Which one? The Haunted Mask design in Goosebumps, like the original right. one. that was scary. For some reason, that was also kind of a frightening image. But then I finally watched the episode and I had built it up to be way worse than it was. But the uh, it was cool. It was cool, though. It's cool looking.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, speaking of like Goosebumps, Goosebumps was was the one that scared me as a kid. And I was just like, all right, my mom says it gets worse. No, fuck this. Um, <laughs> it, it was it was the the librarian, the girl who was stuck in the library and the librarian was eating bugs and then oh, he, gross. he like turned into the alien and his eyes popped out to like, they were like tendrils coming out of his head. And like, I watched it recently to kind of demystify it for me. And I was like, I can't believe I was afraid of this. This is so stupid. <laughs> but it, it was like, I think it was like the imagination of a child. That just really fucked me there. Uh, oh, there's oh, Stewart God. just posted the clown.
3: That's the clown that haunted me. That's
1: pretty
0: creepy. That's
2: pretty terrifying. Also, nick.com.
3: Oh yeah, nick.com. I feel
0: like I feel like the '90s were wild. How things have like, changed. Hey,
3: yeah,
0: kids can deal with anything. I remember even like looking at some older marketing for games, like the Nintendo GameCube. I remember had like this weird commercial with like someone with the gamecube logo tattooed in the back of their head and it was really tonally dark and i was just like what what was there what was their thinking on this <laughs> i don't know it, it's wild
2: yeah well i i think of jumanji even like we, we were talking about that and like it reminds me of just movies like movies weren't afraid to be dark and scary as fuck to kids like that movie starts with a kid getting sucked into a the board game and then bats chasing a girl out of a house and it's like all built up like the bats are starting to make noises and they're like oh what's that and they keep playing he gets sucked in the bats break loose it's like fuck that like i i don't i, I don't know why i wasn't more into horror because of all that stuff but uh but it's it's something i miss because kids kids need to be scared i think kids these days kids these days i they tell you have
1: it What was that rated? I'm curious because like, you know, I watched um, Jurassic Park when I was pretty young and that is a pretty scary film, honestly. (laughs) People die. Uh, The opening sequence is like a dude being eaten to death. Uh, There's a lot of like stressful stuff going on. And that was like for kids. I, mean, I don't that, know. Well,
3: then there's like there's the arm a f- scene with a severed arm with Samuel L. Jackson and Laura Dern. <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember when I was a kid, I always was like, this, is, this doesn't fit. What's happening?
2: The, uh, I mean, and don't even get me started on The Lost World, because that at very beginning <laughs> intro scene... A woman screams and then it immediately transitions into Jeff Goldblum yawning.
3: <laughs> right. That's actually an effective scene, though, with the kid.
2: It, it's, it, yeah, even that freaked me out as a kid. The little kid being <laughs> killed by dinosaurs or something I, like that.
3: I, I thought you were going to say it was frightening that gymnastics came into play for fighting the oh, dinosaurs later. Well, because that, that was a little a scary. different kind of
2: horror. Yeah. <laughs>
1: that was that iconic. Was... She did.
2: She did kick a toe.
1: Giants. That's what that's called when you go around the pole like that. And. Killed that dino. There was no rhyme or reason. They went out of their way to ensure that they could put that in the movie. Someone fought for that. I want you to know that. Someone said that this is a bit difficult to pull off, and they said, I don't care. She's going to do it. She
3: skipped her gymnastics tournament. She's going to do it.
2: (laughs) It's actually, you know, now that I think about it, isn't Jurassic Park 3 just a slasher, but there's a dinosaur? They talk to the dinosaurs.
0: Jurassic Park three, I, dude. I
2: don't even remember Jurassic Park three. The uh-
1: Jurassic Park three is sad.
2: It, a T Rex dies in like the first twenty minutes yeah. because they want to show you that this new dinosaur is cooler than a T Rex.
1: That's the thing. You don't have to. You don't have to outdo it. This is what upsets me about all these dinosaur movies that continues to come out, and they're like, "What else can we do that's cooler than a T Rex, bitch." There's nothing cooler than a T-Rex. You don't have to beat it. Stop it. You don't have to make a bigger dinosaur. You don't have to make them faster. The T-Rex is so scary, and it works. He's an interesting animal. You just don't have to go there. Stop it. Stop making them come out of the water. Stop making them be like these like super... What do they do? Like the the genetically modified... Stop it. Yeah, it doesn't need that. They're scary. The entire fucking book is about how these original animals are animals and they will kill you. And we don't understand or comprehend that the idea that like we had to genetically modify them to make them scarier is kind of like, demeaning the point of those books that you don't fuck with science because you know what the fuck you're doing is very stupid. I, I don't like it.
3: Right. Well, even even the, I 100% agree, even the raptors, like they had, like the first movie, I remember the scene with the kids in the kitchen and stuff. Like that was always such a standout scene and after so that, good. I, I, mean, I mean, Lost Chris World, I Chris liked... Pratt's
2: taming them. <laughs> Come on. Oh, um, yeah. You're my boy, Blue. Oh, my God. Or girl I remember Blue. seeing the trailer and seeing the raptors <laughs> running beside him as he rides his motorbike (laughs) oh my god Jurassic World like I like I like that they bring the T-Rex back in Jurassic World to be like oh the original is still better I'm like yeah it is the original is still way better than you Jurassic World
1: again the point was that humans cannot tame animals they are unpredictable animals the idea that like he saves his and everybody else's skin by taming a raptor is super defeating the purpose of the Jurassic Park books and everything. Their entire purpose is that you have no idea what the fuck you're talking about when you're messing with nature. Leave it alone. And he has a clicker. You put Chris (laughs) Pratt out in the fucking jungle with a clicker and you're going to tell me that he's going to be fine? Shut up.
2: Yeah. I, at least at least that one guy saved his drinks from the dinosaur cuz I think that was the best scene in the entire movie
1: The meme guy which is yeah. margaritas.
2: Just the guy who literally like a dinosaur runs through all the tables and he just picks up his drinks and runs <laughs> I mean It whole... says something when that's the best scene in the entire movie
3: Yeah but like the whole point of like Jeff Goldblum's character in the first movie is like this is wrong we shouldn't be doing this Right. And then he shows up in the second movie which was kind of stretching it like okay there's a no real instance after that first movie, they would continue with this. And then we're on movie number three, which you're like, okay, I guess these dinosaurs were just abandoned. And now we're at a point where clone girls are just letting them loose onto the world because they're like her.
2: Now (laughs) I remember three, three turned a dinosaur into a monster. And it like, I remember disliking that because dinosaurs in the first movie were just animals, right? The T-Rex just attacked the Raptors, not to save the humans, the T-Rex attacked the Raptors because that's what he does. He's a predator. And then three, there's a monster dinosaur that is literally stalking these humans. And every time you hear the cell phone ring, there's the dinosaur because <laughs> right. he ate the guy with the cell phone or something. You, you know exactly how these meetings went, right? It's just like a bunch of
0: bunch of people in a boardroom being like, "How can we make it even bigger and better?" And it's like, let's <laughs> l- l- let's let's bring the the, the T-Rex to the city. Let's make a new version T-Rex that's even better. It's just like, the, uh, st- you can make it work
3: without this. I, I will say, despite shitting on three, the Pterodacto cage scene, I do still think is a really well done sequence in it.
1: I think that's the only redeeming sequence in it. Um, the cage sequence is really neat because it's a very different type of danger that they weren't prepared for. And I think they had a couple expendable people, which made it interesting as well. <laughs> Jurassic True. Park original didn't really have any expendos. There was very few people. And so they didn't have a lot of people they could like pick off. Um, I think in like two and in three, they were just like, let's get like 50 people on this trip. That way we, we can just kill them off. They like, they, they did that. And I, I didn't mind that at all. I thought it was kind of funny to watch a couple people die every once in a while.
0: So yeah. the first person who dies in Jurassic Park three is one of my good friend's dad. Like he was the actor in that film. <laughs> oh wow. In, in he the he
3: paragliding hit, scene.
0: No, he dies outside the plane. Right? Doesn't he hit the window? I think. Oh oh, oh Like the, that, that the guy Joe, they
3: hired, like the hunter or whatever, John or hit, Deal. S- yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah 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 yeah. Wow, I went that's to awesome. With his son.
0: And I remember seeing that movie in the local theater. And when that happened, he was there because like it was the whole community and everyone was cheering and stuff. So that (laughs) is my favorite part of that movie, just because Uh. every time I'm like, "Ah, I know him. I used to go to his house and film dumb movie. Me and his son would film dumb movies that hopefully will never be seen.
2: That's awesome, dude.
0: (laughs) That's really fucking cool. That that is literally the only thing I remember about that movie, just because, you know, people were cheering in a theater and I was like, that's, (laughs) uh,
2: yeah, I, 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 I still have love for those bad Jurassic park movies. I I think I'm on record saying two is my favorite, but you know, I, I can't, Um, I can't, I, I cannot act like honestly say that after watching one and two side by side, one is just so perfect. Uh, in in so many ways that it's it's impossible to even compare it to any of the just sequels that don't really get it. Um, but but hey, Mary. I mentioned earlier that you have been getting into the world of horror gaming. I don't know if you've played a lot of horror games before this. Uh, with things like Resident Knievel, you've done um, forgive Dead me, space, k- Silent Hill Dead Space. What, what was yeah. the Silent Hill series called? With um, not so
1: Silent Hill, not <laughs> so Silent Hill, right? Right, we were very with quiet. Nina,
2: Nina Marie, yeah. Nina, Freeman. yeah,
1: oh, yeah, her name is Nina. You're both right. Uh, her name is Nina Freeman, um, and Nina her streamer Freeman. name is Nina Marie because that's her middle name, right? So right, she right she streams under Nina Marie and uh, she lived in Portland at the time. And we both met serendipitously uh, through a mutual friend of ours. And we met for like a lunch date where it was like one of those things where you like test if you are cool. And if, if you're not, then you're like, I'm full. I have to go by. Um, And we were there for like four hours drinking margaritas and shooting the shit and talking. We just like clicked immediately, me and Nina and, uh, she, uh she's a game dev. She's made lots of indie games. She's extraordinarily talented. And something I really love about Nina is that when we would play games, she would often know a lot of details about why they were made the way they were, why they used a certain texture, why the level design the, was the way it was because she makes games. In fact, she's a level designer, so she knows a lot about that. And she was schooling me in all sorts of ways. So the idea of Not So a Silent Hills was... Nina loved Silent Hill, too. It's her favorite game of all time. I had never played a Silent Hill. And I thought, dang, like, I'll play this. You tell me how to do it because you've played them. And if you don't know because you forgot, then just tell me about why they made the choices that they made because you make games and you understand it. And she teaches me every time I play a game with her. She's really fascinating. So that's what we did. That's why we did it. We started with... One, just like um, Knievel, that was the same concept, right? Was me and Mike Mahardy was playing every Resident Evil. We wanted to play them originally and authentically. Me and uh, Nina played every Silent Hill in the series on the original console. Um, It was fun. It was a fun journey. I had to buy a PlayStation 1 because I sold mine for a dollar in probably the year 2000. I know. I didn't think it was going to come back and haunt me. Um, So I bought a PlayStation 1 and we would play the original ones on a CRT. In the nook, it was super fun. That's uh, fucking rad. We had a lot of fun doing it. It was super. It was a total joy to play. They're very scary. Uh, Holy shit! I still think the first one is the scariest. People say two is the best, and I would say that there's a lot of truth to that. The story is really good. Two is is the best in terms of story and gameplay, but I think one is the scariest. There is something absolutely guttingly horrifying about being in a school beating the shit out of like kids which is kind of what you're doing there's like these little demon short people and who knows but you're in a school so to me <laughs> one plus you know one. one and one i'm beating children to death with a bat and i'm in a school it's fucked up and it's scary and there's a lot of parts of it where you're just like i don't want to do this but if i don't i will die so you are truly fight or flight beating people with a stick to survive. Uh, and it's it's nightmarish. It's very, very scary. And I think they did a tremendous job in that entire series upsetting the, the player. They, they did that very well.
2: Right. I, I really, I don't, I don't know if you've done this on your stream or not, but what would, I mean, you've played through Dead Space, you've played through Resident Evil, you've played through Silent Hill, I'm really curious to hear what your opinions are versus or in relation to which series is the best over the others, or
1: uh, that's hard, yeah, that's good i so in this, I have follow- up questions for you. Are you saying the best series, so like you have to include that's good, everything
2: that's a good follow up <laughs> no, I want to know who you like more, Mike or Nina <laughs> yes <laughs> Nina. <laughs> I think Jake I love, and I have the same answer, yeah.
1: They're both great. I I love Mike. I'm joking. Um uh Nina and I are like tied at the heart. We like um we're like blood sisters, but um I love Mike. They're both great. I would say I would say if you like let's say you could only play one series, I would say that even though it has the most shortcomings, Resident Evil has the ultimate story. It is such a good story is consistent every time you play a game it gives you a little bit more of that lore there's um unnumbered parts of resident evil that are good and you should play absolutely um and it has the best redemption arc man like seven b is i think it's my favorite which is pretty wild um i don't want to go through the whole order but i would say seven is my favorite then one remake then two then four then eight and so i think that's really interesting that like village and so i think it's really interesting how great everything is except for these like little two boys in the middle but the package the buns are delicious the meat has some problems but like that's like the best sandwich, I think, of all of them.
0: I uh, So I, I love Resident Evil as well, but I haven't played all of them. And I played one for the first time during lockdown. I streamed it, which was a huge mistake. I hated oh. it. I absolutely hated it. You
1: hated it. it because it. because...
0: <laughs> so, so no, the game was great. It, it was like there's nothing that stresses me out more than streaming a game with like I, I don't know. There's probably like 10 or 12 people watching, but everyone knows what to do except for me. And I found that so fr- like there'd be a puzzle and everyone would know what to do. And I'd, I'd feel like I was the idiot because I didn't know the answer.
1: You're not an idiot. So, I also hate streaming puzzle games. Yeah. Cause I, I don't like people saying that. I, we have a rule. You're not allowed to say that. You're not allowed to say, I know what to do. I'll, that, I, I, I mute people and ban people. They're not allowed to backseat game is what they're doing.
0: Like that—that that is that—that that was probably some of the most stressful streaming I've done because there's nothing worse than just looking at chat and everyone knows what the answer is and I don't and I'm just like oh and then I stop paying attention to what's happening on screen. I'm more focused on chat. So I should play Resident Evil One again, but play it offline and just play it enjoy on it on your as own. Is. Uh, That said, I also streamed. What we streamed. F- 3 remake which I wasn't wild yeah. about the game overall but I had a ton of fun streaming that um, And yeah and that, that one's more was, mindless we streamed sure. a bit of 8 as well and that, that was fun like I love all those games but man oh, I right. would not recommend streaming one unless you're totally cool with all of <laughs> chat knowing exactly what to do And you're just I didn't there stream one like um,
1: Mike and I recorded that that was um, the oh. very first season yeah, so that was right. before we streamed and what I liked about that situation was that Mike was a full guide and honest and truly, we joke about him guide. not being a guide and like, <laughs> yeah, killing me, which he does do. But for that first one, he was very kind and was constantly being like, oh, you want to go to the other half of the place. If he wasn't there, I don't know if I would have loved that game as much because he was helping me know where to go. And that place is a maze and it gets mm-hmm. really overwhelming. I also get like really frustrated and, stressed out with puzzles and he would drop very subtle hints to me that didn't give it away but made me feel really smart when I solved it. So I think at least for that first one Mike was a really good guide that allowed me to enjoy that game to the fullest. But I think in modern gaming like if someone had never played a Resident Evil game, I wouldn't recommend one or re- like remake. I would recommend 7. That game is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. It is it does everything you'd expect a Resident Evil game to do, but it's also modernized for a modern player. They will feel much more comfortable with those controls, but they'll get a tried and true experience of what a Resident Evil game is like.
0: Yeah, I, I will say I did have Matt guiding me and he was very helpful. He definitely like kept me going when I was getting frustrated. But to your point, yeah, I, I think Seven is probably pretty high up there for me too just because it really does feel like it found the perfect place in between like one and four and it just kind of the pacing is so good the pacing is so good in that game
1: it is really good we just finished eight that really wasn't that long ago because i was playing it like weekly um so it took me a lot longer to finish it Uh, and i really really liked it as well just because I don't think it's like better than seven doesn't mean it's not really, yeah. really good. Um, I have nothing but good things to say about Village. I think they killed it. Um, House Ben Viento is just nightmarish. They did such a good job with making you absolutely afraid. They, they got me a couple times where I was truly, truly afraid in that game.
0: Yeah the baby it was like I nope I don't even want to look like you know when you're in the elevator and yeah. i was just like looking, looking up I was like nope don't care
1: <laughs> I was so afraid and they I avoided spoilers I was genuine that is like a genuine no one told me what that was I had no idea I missed it I I think I thought when I was playing that game that Lady D was gonna be the villain the entire time
3: and I she was gonna too. like
1: stalk me the entire game
3: I luckily also wasn't spoiled with Village. I when I got to the castle, I thought the majority of the rest of the game was just going to be that castle with Lady D. Yeah. So for me, it was a pleasant surprise once you got to, you know, the dollhouse and everything after that. I was it, that definitely improved the. If I had known that prior, I, I definitely wouldn't have appreciated that as much.
1: I agree.
2: I I feel like with Resident Evil Seven, they just knocked it out of the park from like conception to this is the game play it because you saw everyone saw that dinner scene before that game came out where it was jack marguerite uh lucas and you were like okay this is the family that i'm going to be seeing over the course of the game and with resident evil village it definitely i mean thank god they didn't spoil house benaviento or even the fish guy but like it, <laughs> yes. it definitely gave us a different vibe because I think we were all preconditioned to what happened in Seven, and I think Jack was just so much more of a presence than Dimitrescu. I, I've I love I think when I finished Village for the first time, I was like, this might be my second favorite Resident Evil game, and. I, I, I play Resident Evil games differently than most people I, I play them like okay I'm done let's start again and I just run through it over and over and over again like I'm not into speed running or anything but I think Vil- or seven is so much better for doing like you can play through that game over and over and over again and just never get tired of it but village has a lot of like okay now you're going to go through this puzzle section in House Beneviento, and it's never going to change. And now I'm literally like, okay, yeah, I know how to do this puzzle. Blah 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 blah. I don't have to do this because I know the code for this dial already. And it, it's definitely it, it's it doesn't scratch that itch for me quite as well as like two, four, or or even seven. And seven just, I mean, like you you said it, Mary. Like I, I don't think there's a better entry point to any series in any. Genre than seven like I just think seven is is so it's it's perfect as a opener for everyone because I I love that this series has just built up to just crazy levels of you're fighting a T virus dinosaur and (laughs) now you are a normal dude that probably never heard of this because there were probably cover ups and he's like experiencing the Resident Evil world for the first time. And I, that's what I loved so much about Ethan. He's not a great character, but I loved this just dope that doesn't understand anything that's happening. Like, if he saw a zombie, he'd probably lose his mind because... And loses a couple limbs on the way. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Aww, pour one out for Ethan's hands.
3: Yeah, yeah seriously. God. It's, uh, did, it's did wild. Did you
0: guys
1: ever play the
0: DLC that came out for Resident Evil 7? Uh, particularly yes. the Saw-like uh, like is it like, VHS that, tape like, chapters? Yes, those they're are really awesome. They're really cool. I yeah. love them. Like I don't think you'd ever want to replay them because they're very like once you know what to do. Right, it's very scripted. Yeah. But figuring <laughs> out, I had a lot of fun. I remember Jean Luc and I did it on a stream one time, and it was like, dang, this is cool. I feel like I'm in an escape room, which you know, <laughs> yeah. cool. of
1: death.
2: Yeah. Yes. Have you Have death. played them, Mary?
1: I don't think I've played them because um, a lot of times DLC, Mike and I are like, we'll do these for a charity stream or we'll do these for like a special event. And so I don't think we've had a really good reason to to do that yet. Um, that being said, you make me really want to play them because I loved Seven. So I would probably obviously love the DLC for them. So now I should probably get on that.
0: There's one DLC in Seven that's absurd. And I don't want to spoil it for you just in case you
2: do play it. But it is. What, which one is it? Can you can you summarize it in one word? Last,
0: it's the last one that came oh, out. Oh, yeah. Which is. It works because it's the last DLC, and you can tell they were like, "Hey, yeah. let's just have fun with it." But it is—it is,
2: <laughs> is something else. It, it's crazy. You think about the DLC that came out for that game, and like, there are a lot of very like small vignettes, but it's also varied. Like, like I, I won't spoil all of it, but there's one that's literally
1: just—won't <laughs> we'll spoil all of it.
2: But most I will spoil, it. I'll spoil <laughs> a chunk one it. of them. One of them is just like you're playing blackjack <laughs> against Lucas. And if you lose, you get blown up. Okay. But like, like what? Like, that's just such a weird, like, you're playing blackjack against a psychopath, and that's a DLC. And it's like, I I just think that is just. It, that, that's just like dipping your toe in the fountain of creativity that, that Capcom built for Resident Evil 7.
0: That idea is so brilliant, right? Like, you're just playing yeah. <laughs> cards with a guy who wants to kill you. Like, I, yeah. That, yeah. that sounds so compelling to me. Now I want to play that, because I didn't play that one.
2: Yeah, it, it's it's really cool, and I I will absolutely pop in and then subscribe so that you get jump scared. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, I think it's awesome. I think you need to
3: check that out ASAP. Seven's great. Yeah. No, I I That game actually, I mean, that's the game that got me back into the series. Because five, I started kind of fading out of it. I wasn't, I loved four. I think four is amazing. But five, I started kind of going like, eh, this isn't really feeling like Resident Evil to me. And then six, I, I didn't even finish six. Um, and then Jake kept telling me to play seven. And he said, I'd love yeah, seven. For like
0: two years. And I just
3: never got in. I was just like, eh, I kind of done with the series. And I, I liked the like Texas Chainsaw aesthetic of it. But yeah. I just didn't. I just was like, oh, I don't need to get into it. And then I played it finally, and I I, I did. I I loved it. It was like a great reentry, and it's a great yeah. And like you guys said, you don't need to play the other ones to like that game. You could just play it by itself.
2: Like, Barry, it's, it's great. I'm gonna wave Stuart's dirty laundry all
3: over the <laughs> place right a now. Man. He oh, he is no. he
2: has not played two remake.
3: I have not. I have not. I good. played the original two, but I have not played two remake.
2: Oh,
1: that's cool. Uh, two original, I think, is Mike's favorite, so that's oh, neat.
3: Okay. Yeah, I I, I want to play it. I just haven't got to that either. I, I, three, I'll probably want to try as well, but...
1: Yeah, three remake, most people don't like as much, obviously. It's also shorter. Um, and then three original, when I played it, I had a really bad time because I spent one episode, literally like 70 minutes, trying to kill the nemesis and failing. <laughs> For oh. a really, really long time. Where to the point where I. He was right there. there. He Damn. was right there telling me, like, how to do it. And I would just die. It was like, I don't know. It's like as gutting as just watching someone observe you die to the same boss fight again and again and again and I couldn't win and I felt really defeated and I was like I'm just gonna quit the game and quit gaming and quit my job and you know <laughs> move that's to, it
0: move to a cave stay that's there. right
1: <laughs> I'm gonna grow vegetables and live off the land I've I don't know what to do anymore and that game broke me so I have like frustration memories of three but two uh original I have really good memories with and I also think the remake is it's just a a really wonderful tribute to two. so if you liked two which I did I think you'll be very pleasantly surprised with what they've done to it.
3: All right, sounds good. I I, I want to bring up one game that's not necessarily horror or Resident Evil, but it reminded me. Mary reminded me of it with that story. Uh, so have you all you've all played the f- original Metal Gear Solid on PS one, right?
0: I have. I, I actually have never finished Metal Gear Solid
3: one So
1: I have not finished Metal Gear Solid one either but th- I played it
3: that is okay there's so the <laughs> last one of the last things you do is there's a battle with psycho Manus which is kind of a he's he's a freakyish character but the game makes it so when you get to that level you have to switch the controller ports or you can't play it And it's freaky because he's, like, floating around trying to kill you and stuff. My uncle, who that's, like, his favorite series, was watching me play it, but never would... He wouldn't tell me that I had to switch controller ports. So he was just sitting there laughing as I'm thinking my PlayStation's broken. And I just remember that was such a... It was trippy because I kept having this floating man coming to kill me, not knowing what's going on. I'm not sitting there thinking, oh, I need to unplug controllers and switch ports. That's
1: crazy. That's such shit to, like, have you... (laughs) That's so wild, and that doesn't shock me at all. Now knowing what's happened after that moment, that's it's constantly like, uh, the secret was in the game menu, you stupid. Like, just yes. pushing yeah. you to be miserable and not understand. Just <laughs> craziness. The best
0: DRM protection is uh, having a, in Metal Gear Solid 1, having a codec that you had to dial in the rule book so if you didn't have the rule book or the 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 book you just wouldn't know what to do yeah kojima man
3: agreed right, kojima. i need to like
0: actually play through all those games so, sorry to go I, off I've, track
3: from resident evil that <laughs> just reminded me of that yeah
0: i i've i've played most of them but i never played one or i've played one uh but i didn't finish one and i played two and didn't finish two
1: I'm a serial game non-completer as well. I start lots of games and then I get distracted by shiny objects and I start another game. It's not because there's anything wrong with the game. I just, I'm playing lots of games all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, I've never finished Mass Effect. I keep starting it and then I like find something else and I don't come back and there's, it's embarrassing, but that's just like a thing that I do is I probably like play six games a week and then don't finish half of them.
2: I do that too. I do that too a lot. (laughs) Same, Mary. We usually end with emails, but we uh, we we did not prepare any emails this week because sometimes we don't get emails. Sometimes we get emails, and I forget to check for weeks, and then we're, we've got a <laughs> bunch of emails, and we're like, "Hey, we're popular." <laughs> uh, but we've got our own email for you this week. Um, I want you guys to emailed g-
1: yourself and then read it to me.
2: Yes, exactly. Yeah, that's how we Absolutely.
0: get emails. <laughs> I email us. I, I tell my friends to email us. <laughs>
1: This is for Jake.
0: (laughs) You are so cool and (laughs) And smart
1: and brave. (laughs) Also,
0: how many push-ups can you do in a row?
1: I bet it's a thousand. You should fight crime.
2: (laughs) Mary, I need to know. (laughs) So last week we had a pretty (laughs) intense episode over animals and which animals we would pick to be on our side to fight other animals this week. We want to know it's a three V three. You have to pick one of these people to protect you from the other two. Okay. Jason Voorhees. Okay. From the Friday, the 13th series. In case you're confused with another Jason Voorhees. Thank you. Freddy Krueger from nightmare on Elm street and Michael Myers from halloween um. who protects you <laughs> and you're you're obviously a part of this fight the other two will try to kill you at all costs you cannot control jason he's just gonna do what he does or anyone i know you like jason that's why i said that but what if is he's on the your team person
1: programmed to be on my team or will they just kill yes. me
2: they, they they will protect you at all costs
1: okay um Yeah, I mean, we probably saw this coming, but I'm gonna go with my man, uh, Jason Voorhees. Um, Zombie Jason? I would go with, uh, yeah, I would probably go with Jason from Jason X, the one where he's in space. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing stopped him. He was motivated as hell. Uh, He killed a lot of people in creative ways. He was artistic. Um, and he just could not die. Like space couldn't kill him. So then I'm not really worried about like dream boy, Freddy Krueger. Um, and I always found that, um, who's the other guy with the mask? Michael Myers is just not that scary. He's, I think he's more scary in the sense that anyone can probably be familiar with the concept of a stalker. And that's very scary, As a killer, like as a crazy, wild, mythical legend, I find him the least scary. A guy who can like put you in his dreams and, you know, stab you at any point in time and plays with you like a cat with their food, that's scarier than Michael Myers. But Voorhees is a legend. He kills without any kind of logic behind it he takes it seriously he's got a job to do he gets it done he is iconic i also find him attractive in a weird way so if i was gonna die i would like to go down with my man and i would probably just like enjoy it
2: (laughs) you know what ladies like hockey players i i I would just make it weird
1: and be like well this is it here we go uh Let's see. ya. I I would just enjoy the experience with him more. I wouldn't want to be saved by any of those other weirdos.
2: That is fair. That's a good you know answer, Stewart. What what
3: do you think? For me, yeah. Uh, who who would you pick to protect yourself against? Yeah, who the would other you make two? out
1: with if you were about to die? Oh
3: God, Freddy! <laughs> you see what his tongue does in those movies? You kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> um, so. <sighs> I would honestly probably agree with Mary with Jason. And the only reason I say that I, so I, like I would normally jump to Freddy. Um even despite I mean like Jason I, I love Freddy versus Jason and even how it ends it ends on that note of him like carrying his head. Spoilers if you haven't seen the movie. Uh, it's been like a <laughs> I know it's been, like, decade over, like, like 15 <laughs> years.
1: Get over it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
3: so I would I mean J, I mean here's the thing with Michael Myers. He seems like an unstoppable force, but then like he actually does die and get brought back at one point i think it's like was it, yeah resurrection with like voodoo and stuff so it's like no i he, think it's six with the voodoo or was it six it? yeah maybe six was uh, the paul uh, Rudd. So i, I, I mix those myers. up because they have so many like <laughs> soft reboots of that but I, yeah. I like michael myers but he is essentially just kind of like creepy stalker guy that can take a lot of damage where jason i mean you see the shit he goes through he came back from hell it's like, come on! I and and yeah, I, I think he's. I I don't even think. Do they even address if he really? I'm trying to remember in movies if there's a scene where he sleeps. So if you're if he was like, that's a huge thing for Fred. I don't know. Right, I, I would say Jason right. because I mean, even in Freddy vs. Jason, when he's like has a dream sequence, he like kind of knocks him out of it. I um, but love I love the dream fun. sequence
2: in Freddy vs. Jason yes. where Freddy sees Michael's like mind. Or sorry, Jason's mind. Michael. And it's literally just killing (laughs) camp counselors over and over again in purgatory. I thought that was awesome. And
3: and the thing with Jason also is his backstory is so tragic that it's kind of like a little, even though like, I mean, the kid, the, the teenagers are always such shits that you're like, man, they bullied him. He drowned. I get it. I mean, I probably wouldn't go around massacring teenagers for it, but at the same time, I get it. Where Freddie, as a like, juror, yeah. you would find him. I would less find him, guilty. I would find him understandable. We're like Michael Myers is, <laughs> is, a, is a, you know, he's like a crazy guy breaks out of a hospital yeah. can somehow drive a car, and then Freddie is a pedophile that births yeah, alive. Yeah, that's really
1: hard to like root for. So you know, yeah,
3: so I can't be like to... yeah, kid who drowned and burnt alive pedophile, I'll probably take the kid who drowned. So I'd say Jason too. I'll go with Jason. Jake. Yeah, I'll say Jason. Yeah.
0: To Jason. <laughs> I'd pick the ten thousand rats.
3: <laughs> yeah. Oh, you <laughs> <laughs> I stand by my answer. Uh,
0: uh th- no, I I would I see I would probably pick Jason too, but everyone said Jason so far, so I feel like I should probably pick someone else. Uh join the crowd No pressure you can do and what yeah. you want what you feel is right if i mean okay in your bones. so if michael myers is on my team it's probably gonna be a halloween movie which means we'll get that halloween music so i'll pick michael myers <laughs> That's a damn
2: good that's a damn good reason. <laughs> it's a good score. Uh, I would pick Michael Myers too because in Halloween 2018 he kills podcasters and that's exactly what we are and I feel like I want that <laughs> not to be against me. He really fucking hates podcasters. Our, our podcast would take off if he killed us. Oh, it's man, true. that'd be great. Oh, we finally we could we could get that Spotify money posthumously. That'd be awesome. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Cemented in history.
2: Yeah. Uh, but Hey, you know what, Mary, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: You're welcome. Thanks for having me.
2: It, it's we, it's a weird time. Cause normally it's like, Hey, I missed you, Mary. I haven't seen you in a year since the last PAX or E3 or this, this, and this. And now it's like, Hey, I haven't seen you in a decade because of the pandemic and everything that's going on.
1: Yeah. And it sucks. Cause there was this one time, this one sliver of time where I was in your vicinity, I but the timing did not work out.
2: Yeah yeah that Um, was a bummer because i remember i think i was like hey i'll I'll come out and see you and then but it was like a three-hour bus ride and you guys were like bus
1: ride and i was like if you come down here i will have like one drink with you and then i will be like i have to go to bed (laughs) because i'm shooting like a documentary with this person at seven in the morning
2: yeah uh it, it was a bummer but i remember we were like we'll catch each other at the next event four years later or however long this four pandemic years has been
1: later. yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh
2: but yeah you can catch mary on the fire escape podcast on her twitch channel m-e-r-r-y-k-i-s-h that's m-e-r-r-y-k-i-s-h mary kish mary kish is there anything you'd like to say is there anything you'd like to leave us with is there anything we missed anything you feel like we should be put in our place about
1: yeah, I feel like you guys should know that um, I saw this ad for a new Nicolas Cage movie where he kills a bunch of animatronic characters overnight at uh, a kid's like um, playground type place um, with the animatronic characters that sing and dance and say happy birthday, and I was like, oh my god, Five Nights at Freddy's, Nicolas Cage. This is gonna be dope. And I watched it, and it's not as good as I thought it was going to (laughs) be. So I wanted to warn you that even though it has all the makings of greatness, it just didn't do it.
2: Yeah, it's called Willy's
1: Wonderland.
2: We 100% agree with you. It's. Did you
1: guys talk about it?
2: No,
0: I was very excited for it, and then some people who I look up to said it was really bad, and I was like, oh. Yeah, it really didn't do it. And I
1: was excited. I was I was there for it, but it just they just couldn't pull it off. It's a little budget and also the writing is unfortunate especially since nicholas cage has no lines you would think that it's impossible but they found a way to make the writing really bad
0: (laughs) yeah that was the thing that did it for me i think if nicholas cage still had lines i probably would have watched it because nicholas cage being nicholas cage is always entertaining but when i heard he didn't have any lines i was like "Mm." that said though pig
3: pig is incredible pig i have Wait, it's out. Yes,
0: it's it's out. It's on. It's on
3: demand now too. It came out this week on demand. Very good.
1: I want to see it. I think I'm a little afraid because I got like nervous that they're just gonna like, uh, kill animal or something and make him like kill people because of animal.
0: (sighs) I will say there's no killing on screen, so little yeah warning you don't, you don't see anything it, does the that dog does die
1: happen. yeah type situation <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like i don't want to see it uh cool all right well then i will be interested i do i think that movie looked interesting to me as well
2: dope well mary i have one thing left that i need to ask you okay can you spell pig backwards and then say funny colors Gee, <laughs> uh,
1: uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I P yellow.
2: Fuck probably
1: drink more water, hey.
2: Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much, Mary. This was fucking thank you, awesome. Mary. Thanks yes, for being yeah, our inaugural you. guest. It's Yay, it's been a thanks blast Thanks for having
1: me. It's been nice talking to you guys.
2: Of course. You know what? We 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 talked and we were like, who would we want for our inaugural guest? And it was unanimously Mary. Stuart
3: was uh. like, Yeah, hell
2: yeah. And he Don't didn't even know who, who you were. Awesome.
3: I've, I've heard, though, from Jake and Matt many a times that you're awesome. So I was uh, very That's very great. Happy. It's really
1: nice to hang out with you guys. And um, I first met Matt through Nuclear Fridge. So I feel like this kind of brings it full circle. Before I worked at GameSpot, I peddled indie games really hard. And one of the people that always took my game codes, no matter how indie and how rough some of those games were <laughs> Matt Paget would take those codes and he would review those games and Wait, I appreciated sorry.
0: that. Is there Matt, do you have a review of M&M Kart Racing?
1: No, I don't think so.
0: No,
2: I don't think I don't think Matt's i ever saw that. <laughs> okay, but
1: fuck, that's funny. I think I got your name probably from that job though, but I um after that job, Zoo Games, I started my own indie game marketing company called IndieViddy. And I made indie trailers and marketed games. And from that, I got lots of small games. Some really good ones like Gianna Sisters Twisted Dreams that I marketed that game. Um, that game's great. But also like a lot of really small indie games that were rough on the edges, but they were trying and they were doing cool stuff. Um and a lot of people, I would, like, send these emails out, and I wouldn't hear anything. But Matt always responded to my emails and was like, I'll give it a shot. And I was just like, God bless, man. Like, just yeah. very consistent.
2: I, I remember I, I, I specifically was like, um, you know what? Fuck it. I'm just going to email developers cold. And I just emailed <laughs> you one night. And I think you were in Australia then. Mm. And it was, like, a Sunday. And then you, you emailed me back, like, immediately. And it was for Dust Force. Yeah. And and then I, I played that all night and had a review up for, for when it released on Steam like later that week. It was it was cool. And uh obviously made a, a lifelong friend out of it, which was the most unexpected part of that. Um but yeah, it, it was awesome. And and again, thank you thank you for giving me codes <laughs> for games and then being an awesome cheerleader and just being awesome to To everyone from from jake to all of our friends and everyone else you vouched for because you you have been an uh an awesome advocate uh even if we're all out of that business now like it it's it it helped us go down paths that uh i mean we we worked our ass off to get there not just counting myself but but you you definitely were a big part in in getting us started giving us that boot so thank you and thank you for joining us today This is like the eighth time I've signed (laughs) off. Yeah. Do you have another question you want to ask before we leave? Yeah. (laughs) Oh, also.
3: (laughs) Oh, here we go. Uh, Oh, no, I don't actually have an also. (laughs)
0: Oh. <laughs> I
1: sound like my mom when I'm talking to her on the phone. She'll be like, she'll be like, I'm going to let you go. Uh, but what was your day like?
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> it's like, this is the beginning of
0: a call. What did you have for breakfast?
1: Yeah, she will do that. She'll do it like three times in a call. I got to go. Um, but before I do, how, how are you feeling? And what are your outfits going to be tomorrow and on Sunday? And <laughs> how is your, how is your dog? it's just like, these are three questions. Yeah. I can't, can't get off the phone now.
2: It's hard to say goodbye. So, so we'll just say, see you later.
1: (laughs) Uh, I hope I do see you guys, uh, IRL as well in a con at some point soon. That will be great, but it's been awesome talking to you guys. Um, and meeting you, Stuart, it's just been awesome to talk to you. I love, Nuclear fidge, I have good fond memories of this site and this place, and so it's just really cool to spend time on it with you. So thank you for having me.
3: Nice, yeah. nice to meet you. Mm-hmm. All
2: right, and that that's Mary Kish. You can find her <laughs> at the Fire Escape podcast uh on our Twitch channels, Mary Kish, M-E-R-R-Y-Kish. And uh yeah, uh w- until we see you next time, grab a cold one from the nuclear fridge and just enjoy your weekend.
3: Bye. 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 Bye.
1: Bye. Is that your guys' sign-off? Bye!